What's up, everyone? This is Dr. Chris Van Teel here with another episode of the Odyssey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm here with my good friend, Dr. George Lampron. Um, he is a doctor of physical therapy in North Carolina, but I will let him tell you more about that in his background. So how's it going, George? Oh, fantastic, bud. Thanks for having me. Uh, so like Chris said, I, uh, I went to grad school up in Chicago, uh, Midwestern University. After that, came down to North Carolina before heading over to Texas, uh, where I did my sports clinical residency uh, over there and then sat for my sports clinical specialist exam last year before heading back to North Carolina now, uh, where I'm currently working with uh, Army Special Operations down at Fort Bragg. So bouncing all over the place to, uh, to get back to the home state, you know? Yeah, that's awesome, and uh, I mean, you've seen, you've worked with high level athletes. Now you've worked with more military population. You've worked with the general population with what you were doing with Canada before. Like, so you've seen a good amount of it. So with this quarantine that we're all under right now, are you, like, do you imagine a large difference in how all those different populations are training? Oh yeah. I mean, we see it with our guys at, at Bragg, right? It's like our guys were in our facility three to five days a week, every week using everything. You know, we have 10 squat racks in the clinic. We got treadmills, we had everything. And guys are usually in kits, they're rucking, they got, you know, 30, 40, 50 pounds on them. Um, and so going home without any of that kind of stuff is definitely a big change for them. Right. And then the ways that guys, you know, we see our guys and that, a lot of people are doing is they're just changing up what they're doing, right? They're just like jumping headlong into these programs where it's like, all right, maybe I'm going to do super high intensity bodyweight exercises. I'm going to do a ton of jumps. I'm going to do a ton of sprints. I'm going to do a ton of running because that's what I can do in my house with no equipment. So it's definitely been a big change for us. And I think that's a big change as far as like everything from ultimate Frisbee players, like, uh, like you and I, and like the guys I was working with in North Carolina to, uh, like, like I said, like our military population. Yeah, I think it's one of the things I've found kind of the most funny is that even you see pro athletes and stuff on Instagram or whatever now, and they get home and they almost have no idea how to work out, right? Even people who, like you said, go to the gym every single day, you have CrossFit athletes, they go to the gym every day and all of a sudden they're home and they're like, okay, I need to make up these workouts. And they kind of lose sight of, the workouts they're doing before and like how they were programmed were programmed for a reason and they were programmed based on what you had done the week before what you had been doing the month before sometimes even the day before and recovery was also very different too and built into a lot of the programs when it's not just you at home watching a youtube video um and just so everyone knows uh george and i are in a facebook group with a bunch of our really good friends <laughs> and they posted this video of a guy doing a 1000 rep workout every single day for like a month and our friends who you know they had their athletic days like the rest of us um but they maybe have not been keeping up with that and they're they've decided <laughs> and so they're doing this thousand rep a day workout that involves 100 pull-ups 100 burpees 100 dips um things that aren't easy already for a lot of people to do more than 10 or 15 of um, in some cases, especially if you've not been doing it. And so that's kind of where this whole thing started. Um, so let's stick with the home workout kind of topic here. But you wanted to, and one thing we talked about was the envelope of function and what that looks like for people doing these home workouts and how to progress them. So why don't you go through 
what the envelope of function is a little bit. Um, we'll go from there. Yeah, so envelope of function is a way that I generally like to kind of think about this. And it's about the envelope of function is all about the loads that we put on our body and how our body tolerates those loads. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't necessarily look like an envelope that you put a letter in, but the way I generally think about it is more like a kind of like a line on a graph. And so the y-axis, the vertical axis on that is going to be the load. And then the x-axis is going to be the frequency of that load. And then you have a line that can look like mostly like a straight line that comes across that graph starting up high in the left-hand corner and then coming down towards the bottom in the right. Um, and so your high load, low frequency activities would be like heavy squatting or jumping from a two meter height or something like that, right? That you're not going to do a ton of, but it's going to be a very heavy load. And while at the bottom of that, you're going to have something like walking 10, 10, uh, 10K or doing, you know, a short, uh, nice, easy jog, something like that. Um, and so that's, this line kind of encompasses the whole thing there. And we can kind of break that down, not only for global activity for our body, but for each kind of individual thing that we were just talking about, right? So it's like, mm -hmm. if, I, if, I don't do, if I don't do a lot of push-ups or I don't do a lot of dips or pull-ups, my envelope of function for that is going to be pretty low, right? My shoulders can tolerate, they might be able to tolerate five plyometric push-ups, right? If I was going real heavy, they might be able to tolerate 20 without having any sort of issue of just regular push-ups. And then if I was going to do incline push-ups, maybe they can tolerate 30 of those, right? Um, and if we looked at that, then the, low, the region kind of right above that line would be what we'd call like a, a zone of overload, right? Where we can, where if we work in that zone consistently, we're not gonna necessarily injure ourselves, no big injuries, anything, but it's gonna be a, where we're, an area where we can improve. But if we go way above that, then that's when we get to the point of kind of structural failure, right? So if we go way, way above that, like say if I, you know, if I fell off the second story of my house and try to catch myself with my hand, right? Then like, boom, obviously we're getting to some failure there. Probably, probably in my, uh, in my wrist or in my humerus, right? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but that also is uh, below that, like absolute failure is where we're going to get into the, the area where like we're putting more stress on that system than it can tolerate. Right. So if I go and I do 100 pushups, all of a sudden, like that, that little bit of pinching that normally doesn't bother me on my shoulder, maybe I feel it from time to time. If I've been reaching up a whole bunch, when I just pound out 100 pushups in a row on that thing, it's going to be pretty irritated. Um, and that's kind of where we get into that, that, that over, pass that overload into that area of kind of like structural failure. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that. So going, oh yeah, going off <laughs> of that, um, because everyone says you need to stress your body to see improvements and everything like that. So with someone going back to, you said a little bit of pinching in the front of the shoulder with pushups, right? That's a very common thing that people have when they're doing pushups, when they start doing pushups or when they stop doing pushups or they stop because of it. Um, how do you know what, based on the envelope function is outside your envelope and what is inside your envelope when it comes to training, not necessarily these high rep workouts, but just in general. Yeah, and I think that's a pretty tough thing for us to determine, right? Um, I think, you know, to know where our limits are sometimes, we have to push them a little bit, um, mm -hmm. but also, you know, kind of making sure that we're not going to the point where things are, are painful all the time, right? So my general rule for people during an exercise is if uh, if we rated your pain on a scale of zero to 10 and you told me like, I'm at a two, like I feel this punching in the front of my shoulder like pretty consistently, I'd be like, okay, you can go up two notches on a zero to 10 pain scale. 
before we need to calm it down and make sure that that things are kind of resulting back to that too, right? So if I'm doing push-ups and at eight, I'm at a three, at 10, I'm at a four, then that's where I probably need to go ahead and calm it down, right? And let's make sure once I stop, do I drop back down to that two, right? To my normal kind of resting. Hopefully that resting is a zero, right? Hopefully it doesn't bother you at all most of the time. Um, and then the and then once we get up past that, like two, three is where, like I said, let's chill it out. Let's make sure that things drop back down. If they don't, then we're definitely in that, we're definitely putting too much on that, right? And what we're gonna see there is that envelope of function is gonna drop because now it's a lot, it's a lot easier for us to irritate that tissue, right? So that's when we kind of have to bump things back a little bit. Yeah, and I think from what I've seen with even clients of mine that have come in, said they started a new workout program or whatever, is people get stuck in this hard and fast rule of, okay, I need to do three sets of eight or four sets of six. And what I tell people is, hey, like, do your first set, and it should be difficult for you muscularly to finish the set. You should be tired. You should need your break at the end of that. And if your next set, you can only do two reps less than that, that's fine because you're still, you're, that's a good way to stress your body and do what it allows. But if you try to push for those extra reps, last time that is where some of the overuse injuries come in, you lose the form. So I think one thing people forget is that even though these workouts are programmed for going back to like a hundred reps of each movement, do less than that or break it up. Maybe you're someone who can do 10 push-ups, and then you need to do three or four different exercises in between, and then you can do 10 more and you're fine, or you need to do rounds of five, or you need to do rounds of eight, whatever it may be. Everybody's different, and people forget that they can change how they do things, and that will make a huge difference on their training as well. Yeah, and I think one of the things is we see a lot of these, like we keep going back to this thousand rep thing, but a lot of these programs are like, all right, here's your 30 day challenge. We're going to do this, this, and this yeah. every day, right? And so it's like there's no, there's no sort of progression in there, right? So it's like if I haven't been doing, if I don't do squat jumps a lot, and then I go into this, this program that's like, all right, we don't have equipment. So to get that kind of load, we're going to do heavy plyometrics, right? And it's like, I don't usually stress my tendons that way then like that envelope of function is pretty low for that activity, right? Because I just yeah. don't put that stress on my body consistently. So if I try and do, if I go from zero squat jumps a week to doing a hundred squat jumps a week, like all of a sudden that's a lot of stress on my body. That's a lot of stress on my tendons. It's a lot of stress on my bones, a lot of stress on my muscles that they're just not used to. And so like anything else, like that's where we have to slowly progress things. Like you were saying earlier, like the workouts that people have been doing, like whether it's our guys, at the you know in that in our special ops facility where it's like we have two strength coaches we've got a pt athletic trainer dietitian all right there together um or whether it's somebody that's been at a crossfit gym or something like that where things have been programmed for them in a consistent kind of linear pattern to progress things over time and then you go to something completely different where you're jumping in at 60 instead of you know zero makes a big difference and that's that's definitely tough for our bodies to handle yeah okay so what in an ideal world where everybody understands kind of a natural progression, what would a, what do you think a progression should look like for people who, I mean, there's a lot of people who are right now stuck at home and they're like, Oh, this is a good time for me to start exercising and start doing these things in general as a way to escape, just sitting at their computer or watching Netflix all day. They need something else to do. So they're like, Oh, I'm going to start these workouts. Um, and they find their favorite Instagram model and they do the same thing. Um, so what would you, what's a recommendation from you as to how they should, pace that and pace what they're doing. 
Well, my recommendation if you're trying to start a, any sort of exercise program is legitimately start with walking. Like start with walking. And if you're really, if you're familiar with the running, you've done that before, then maybe start with like a couch to 5k program where it's going to kind of break it down for you in short walk, run durations, that kind of stuff. But I think like low steady state cardio is a good place to start with that to just kind of make sure number one, that you have, have kind of a cardio baseline to handle things. Right. Um, and then from there, it's going to be start with, start with hopefully something that you're at least semi-familiar with, like, uh, like whether it's your, whether you're starting a new exercising or whether it's like, I'm just trying to modify things from that I've been doing in the gym to something I can do at home, find something that's similar to what you've been doing. Right. Like if you're like, I've been, I'm a power lifter. So I've been doing squat deadlift and bench press at the gym all the time. Then it's going to be like, okay, let's find a way to, to challenge your pecs with, well, we can't bench. Let's do, maybe we incline our feet. We do, and we do push-ups there to add a little bit more stress. Maybe we, you know, maybe we can't do our, we can't do the heavy squats, but let's find another way to increase our time under tension in that muscle, right? Whether that be some prolonged squat holds, whether it be like a wall squat with some kickouts, put some increased tension on that quad, whatever we need to do, something that's at least something somewhat similar to what our body has been handling, yeah. right? And then modify from there. Um, if we're starting at a baseline, then like we are not used to any exercise at all, then it's going to go back to those rules like you and I were talking about, right? Our basic pain rules where it's like, okay, if this, if I am doing just like a bridge and I start getting a lot of pain in my low back, then I probably need to dial it down a notch, right? And I'm going to do what my body can tolerate. And then I'm going to slowly try and progress that over time. Um, when we talk about distance with activities, I like to progress 10 to 15% uh, a week. Yeah. If we're talking about resistance, then yeah, I like to keep a, I like to look at what I call, well, what everybody calls rating of perceived exertion or RPE scales, right? And yeah. so I use a modified zero to 10 where I am uh, instead of the old six to 20 scale. But I like I generally like, scale. yeah, I generally like to be at like a six to eight with our, with our working, right? Uh, keeping a yeah. couple reps in the tank, but a point where I'm working hard, but I'm not, I'm not dying, right? Right. I think one, another thing for, the situation that we're all in now, it's uncharted territory for sure, but most of these people who are getting into these workouts, they're not training for, this isn't necessarily like marathon training or triathlon training. This is just generalized home programming to keep you fit. And so there's no rush to be like, oh, I need to be able to do all of these reps or all of the rounds that, that are prescribed. So I think on that expectation level, going back and telling people, hey, just do a couple of the, the first day, the day, day one that you want to work out, look at the exercises and do 50% of whatever they had you do. If it's your first day or maybe 20% or just do one of each one, just so you know what it feels like. And then day two, you can do more, right? It, it, I think people need to take a much slower progression, realizing that this is not a sprint to be able to do these workouts and you have no reason to try to do everything day one either. Um, but running actually, um, that you brought up is very interesting because people think they should just be able to run, right? People all the time. And I've been very guilty of this as well. I mean, I'm sure you have too. Like we get busy and like we're in school and one day it's, oh, I've got time. I haven't run in three months. I'm going to go run. And I used to run six miles. So I'm going to go try to run four miles or five miles. And you feel like absolute hell for a while. But <laughs> running, running's hard. Running is just as hard as any sort of burpee workout you want to do. Um, so how what is your optimal progression into running for people? Just curious. Like, do you start them with exercises? Do you start them with a walk, jog program? What do you, what do you like to start with from zero? 
Yeah. Um, so that's what's funny. My wife and I were talking about that like last night, I think at dinner, we were sitting there. And I was like, running is the thing that everybody thinks they should be able to do without training for it at all. They're just like, my body, my body runs. Like, of course, I'm a human. I can run. And while that's true, if we're not running consistently and then we just try and do it, there's, there's definitely a skill aspect to running as well. Right. And there are things that, that help us be much better, much more efficient runners. Um, but if we're starting at zero, I do like, like walk run type programs. Um, I think couch to 5k is an easy one for people to use. Um, and so that there's an actual like couch to 5k app out there that a friend of mine went through several years ago, but it's a, it's a general run walk kind of progression. Um, the other thing, like I have a, I have a table that I use with people, a different kind of phase progression where it's like, okay, I usually use it for injured runners, but it's like, we'll start at one minute of running three minutes of walking, and then we'll progress to like a two and two, a two and one. And we'll kind of progress from there. Right. Until we're eventually up to like a nine to one run to walk and then a all, and then 100% running. Right. Yep. So um, I think that's another general way to kind of progress our load with that. Um, mm-hmm. The, the other thing for me is always distance. So I feel like, like you said, people like to be like, okay, um, we see it in our guys a lot because they have to be able to pass their, their, uh, physical fitness test, right. They have to be able to pass their PT test, the, the yeah. army combat fitness test. And so it's like a few months, but like a month or so before they do that, all of a sudden we see all these guys with knee and back pain because they were maybe running a mile for a warm up for a couple of their workouts or something like that. And all of a sudden right. they're like, Oh yeah, I have to pass the two milers. So I'm just going to start running a whole bunch of miles. Um, so when we have those kind of like spikes in activity, that's really where we get ourselves in trouble. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot now too, is that people who were maybe, you know, maybe they were running as a warm up. maybe most of their warm up for their workouts was arm, but was like a salt bike or they like to row, but they don't have that at home. So they're just like, I'll substitute running for that because I, cause yeah. I can run, I have road in front of me. So like I can run. Yeah. Um, so generally with that, like I advise people to progress like 10 to 15% a week, 20 at the absolute max. Um, mm-hmm. what the research has shown is that once we get above that, like 20% increase, that's when we see a lot more risk for injury. Um, yeah. just because we're increasing that load a whole lot. Right. So, right. uh, the only thing that I always tell people with that is if you're less than 10 miles a week, then you can go ahead and increase a mile. Um, because 10% of, you know, half of five miles, if you ran five miles last week, I'm like, you only increase 10% then you only get to add half a mile. Right. But I'm pretty comfortable with people under that 10 mile a week threshold, adding a whole other mile or even adding two miles in some instances on like a separate day, like adding one more training day to add a little bit more distance. Do you think people often forget just the strength demands of running as well. I mean, you figure people think, like you said, people think they should people get up and run. It's just fast walking or something, but what they don't realize is no, you need to propel your body off of the ground completely and be able to catch that against gravity with one leg and then reproduce it again repetitively for however long you want to go. Um, so I think a lot of people do try to start like a running program and they couldn't even do 20 calf raises on one leg before without feeling pain for four days or like feeling like they're the biggest calf workout in the world. Um, so yeah. I think the accessory strengthening stuff is something that people often forget while going to these running programs as well. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, calves, like you mentioned, hips, very important, right? Being able to have that strength and endurance, not only in the 
the muscles in the side of your hip, but in the back of your hip, be able to actually like, get some forcible hip extension, like very important. Um, and so if you haven't been doing those things, if you don't take care of those muscles, then like, uh, it's a, it's a lot to handle and not only strength wise, but like we kind of talked about earlier, plyometric, right? It's like, this is like, mm -hmm. this is a consistent stretch shorten cycle. And if you haven't been putting your body under that kind of tension consistently, then it's, yeah. it's not, it's not ready to just be like, all right, we're going <laughs> to run 20 miles this week. It's yeah. like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a, you know, that's when you see people with a lot of Achilles issues, uh, like said, yeah. a lot of calf pain, a lot of low back pain, because, you know, whether they're lacking some strength in those hips or some mobility in those hips, either of those guys will tend to, uh, to give you a little bit of that back to pain and tightness too. Yeah. And I think, um, people also get frustrated when they have those pains because maybe they, maybe they never thought about these things that we're bringing up now. Um, I can understand that. I mean, this is our world. Like we kind of live in the injury, injury prevention, injury um, mitigation stuff, but the average person I don't think thinks about it. And they just, I've heard a lot of people be like, Oh, I can't run anymore. I can't do this because it hurt my back. It hurt my, it hurt my leg. It hurt my ankle to run. And my first thought is always, well, you can run. You just need to prepare better for running. Right. So I think, Right now we're in this world where everyone's getting into these giant workouts and next week we're going to have people say, oh, I can't do X, Y, or Z, uh, which is a part of some of the workouts. Um, so what would you, going back to the envelope of function thing, what is a appropriate timetable for someone to say either I need to talk to someone about dissecting this, mo this movement and give me kind of the building blocks for it versus Oh, like I'm just not like I'm just sore from doing these things right if that makes sense yeah and so I think anytime we're talking about envelope of function in the presence of injury what we've done is you know whether it be uh, like patellofemoral issues in the knee or whether it be like a pinching kind of issue in the shoulder or even like sometimes we see it in the elbow with like tennis elbow kind of things right yeah. um, anytime we have anytime we kind of go above that initial line right that above that initial envelope of function and we actually have some sort of tissue injury irritation that line drops considerably yeah. Um, so that can even get to the point where things like our activities of daily living start to bother us, right? Where like mm -hmm. I did a bunch of push-ups, and now like you know I go to the I go to drive to the store, I reach back to grab something from the back seat, and all of a sudden it bothers me, right? It's like oh wow, it's like well I can't do like I said, it's like I can't do push-ups anymore because it makes it so my shoulder hurts when I do everyday kind of things. Um, instead, it's like okay, that just means that we have to dial down we have to dial down our expectation for everything, right? It's like, yeah. that doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that we can't do those things. It just means, like you said, we have to prepare better for those things. Um, that may mean that initially we have to do some sort of symptom reduction activity, which is gonna be what's tough for people right now, right? Because ordinarily you or I would get those people in the clinic, right? We take a look at things and we'd be like, yeah. okay, here's what we can do to kind of modify what you're doing. Here's what I can do to help you out, whether it be you know, something as simple as some taping or some needling or something like that, right? To kind of like take some stress off of things, reset the system a little bit, calm right. everything down. Um, but at home, it's like, okay, so we just have to, we have to work in that, that new ability a little bit, right? And we have to be able to find some ways to, to work those things that aren't going to put that same kind of load on there. So if it be push-ups, then like incline push-ups are an easy place to go. Um, it's tough because for me to even thinking about stuff because I'm like, all right, we got to work on a couple like basic isometric rotator cuff stuff. Just go ahead and do those for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, right. 
but that's like, you know, like I said, that's where we live every day. Right. So it's like, um, being able to just kind of dial activity down is a good place to start. Um, and then kind of slowly increasing things back up from there. I think timetable is a difficult question, right? Like you're like, what's a realistic timetable for somebody to expect? Um, if you have something that's just kind of like irritated and you're able to get into a position where your ADLs and that kind of stuff, your, your daily stuff isn't bothering it, then I would say in two weeks, I would expect you to be feeling like things are moving in the right direction, right? Things have calmed down. You can get through stuff. And then that's when you're going to want to slowly start increasing load again. Um, so I think in this, in our climate right now, not exactly sure when somebody would be able to get in and see a PT in person. Right. Yeah. Um, I know like we're, we're doing some, we're doing some, uh, virtual things and I think you are as well. Right. Yeah. Um, yep. so it's like, you can at least get some information, talk to somebody that knows what they're talking about, do that kind of thing now, but it may be a little while, um, before a lot of people have the opportunity to get in and see somebody. Right. Uh, I think it, um, that could actually be, I think that can actually be a blessing for some people that are kind of the, a, the hypochondriac that freaks out because they tried running, they have all this pain and they're worried that they tore something right away. Right. I mean, right. but just having a conversation a lot of times can help you go a long way. And I think that's going to make people realize that they are a lot of, a lot more in control of their pain and their movement than they before thought. And so while, yeah, I definitely have people who need to come in and see me and I need to be closer eyes on and hands on for some people. A lot of times people can just manage and learn a lot about their body if they do the exercise, like if they do specific exercises or they just talk to someone and say, hey, like what are some ideas for what's going on and take this time to learn more about their body and about their movement and instead of just waiting for somebody else to give them an answer. Yeah, I think we see that a lot with low backs, right? I think that's yeah. the first thing that comes to mind for me when you talk about that is like, okay, a lot of it is kind of like owning that. And number one, knowing that just because you have some pain in there, especially if it's continued for a while, it doesn't mean that you still are, that you're having continued tissue damage, right? It doesn't mean that something is, that something is happening just because something hurts, right? It doesn't mean that something is torn and that something terrible has gone wrong just because there's some pain there. Um, right. And instead, like you said, like learning to kind of like, first desensitizing everything a little bit, but then learning to kind of like own that movement is definitely something that can be really beneficial for people, whether it be low back, whether it be shoulder, whether it be knee, like whatever the case, like all of those things can certainly be helpful. But we do see some of those things where it's like, all right, we have to, like, we, we need to really calm things down, right? Like mm -hmm. sometimes if, with our people who are, uh, who are starting to pound out those miles, like if they're having continued Achilles issues and we're going to have, you know, we may have right. to modify things considerably in that instance. So. For sure. Um, all right. So one thing that I'm kind of going to be interested in when we are allowed out of this quarantine is I think we're going to see some of the same spikes as far as injury in the first month that we come out, not necessarily huge injuries um, any more than just your general overuse stuff, your tendonitis um, a lot of the same stuff that people are complaining of right now because they're going to go back to the work that they're doing before, or they're going to say, Oh, I'm in better shape now. Now I feel like I can go do like CrossFit or I can go to soul cycle five days a week because I've been working, I've been doing this workout at home, even though I didn't have any cycling. Um, or even people who can finally play sports again. I know that's something that you and I are both itching to do is get back out on the soccer field or play ultimate frisbee or anything like that. But no matter the workout I do at home, I'm not getting that same 
force put through my body. I'm not stressing my body in the same way. So as far as the return to sport and going back to that envelope of function, it's, it's a fluid thing, right? I mean, our, 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 all of our envelopes are shifting right now because it's more activity specific and less just general in shape specific. Right. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. And I think that for me, the thing I worry about is like return to sport with people. Um, so I think, you know, it's not only it's something similar to what we see with return to sport for somebody that's had an ACL or something like that, right? Where it's like been doing a lot of strengthening in the clinic, but unless you're actually getting those people in there working on reactive agility, working on like not only the the cardio aspects of running for an extended period of time, but being able to change directions quickly, being able to adapt to those kinds of things, like they're at an increased risk for re-injury just because it's a lot different stress through the body. Right. And yeah. so I think we're definitely going to see people zero to a hundred, right? Like once it's, once people are allowed to start playing ultimate again, like people are going to go from they've all they've done in the last six weeks or two months or however long we end up here is like, maybe yeah. they threw with a friend a couple of times. Maybe they went and played some disc golf before the parks closed down. Right. And it's, and now they're going to be like, all right, well, I haven't gotten to play ultimate in two months, so I'm going to play four days this week. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it's like, that's, that's entirely different than everything you've been doing for the last two months. Even if you've yeah. been, even if you've been running, you've been like doing some plyos, you've even been doing like maybe some, you know, some little five, 10 fives, whatever it may be like still like going out and actually playing and putting that consistent stress on your body is definitely going to be a lot different. Um, I saw the NBA is looking at like a 25 day return to play type of thing yeah. uh, where they're looking at like, I think it was like 11 days of just conditioning and then two weeks of like training camp type thing essentially before they play. Yeah. And even that's a pretty tight timeline, hoping that these guys are keeping in shape right now. Right. Like hoping that these guys are taking care of their bodies, doing that kind of thing now. And I think we're going to see our amateur athletes, they're not going to take 25 days to, to get ready to play again. No. Right. Once the park's yeah. open, they're going. Yeah. So I think that's, that's definitely going to be an increased risk for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think that it's going to be kind of a shock to a lot of people when they, and that frustration is going to set in too of, Oh, I used to be able to do this now. And it used to be no problem. And I so I went and did it again, but now it's a big problem for me and people are going to have that frustration just I think the mental Im mental injury of that may be worse than the physical injury of that, um, especially when they've thought they've been preparing for it, right? Um, right. A lot of people are doing these big workouts, and so they're like, oh, I've been working out every day of the quarantine. I'm going to be great. Like, when I can go hit the basketball court at the Y again, and they're going out there, and they're going to play two points, and they're going to be either super winded, or the next day they're going to wake up, their knees are going to hurt for three days because – and they're like, God, like, I used to play for hours. I played one game. Like, what happened? Um, so I think also one thing that people need to be aware of is that your expectations of what coming out of something like this is going to be. Yeah, so, I think that's a big thing. Like, you're talking about, like, that knee pain, like, that stress of deceleration, like, all those things that's, like, when it comes to sports, like, you just can't rep – it's very difficult to replicate in this environment, right? Like yeah. – um, and so it's just, it's a lot different stress. And like you said, I think the, the issue is going to be, okay, we have that one spike in activity, which right now our envelope is down pretty low. And we, we have one big, one big thing. And you're like, well, I'm definitely like, my knees kind of hurt today. I'm sore. 
but I used to play all the time, so I can go again. Right. And then we're going to see this, yeah. like this consistent, this consistent load that's way above our envelope of function, like not just in that nice little area of overload that's going to make us stronger, make us more resilient. Instead, we're way above that. Right. And we're doing it. We're, we're going ahead and we're going three times a week, four times a week when we haven't done it for eight weeks. So. Yeah. So what is your normal, not necessarily your normal, but with the. Uh, how often people should be doing workouts or what is a, if someone's sore the next day, how do they gauge the, cause they're going to be higher than that two on the pain scale or RPE scale, you said, right. Um, if they're, yeah. like, say they're super sore. So are you someone who says, Hey, don't do it at all. Take a day off, take two days off and then do it again. Or are you a person that's kind of more the camp that I'm in is do the exact same thing again, but with a lot less load and a lot less reps just to go through the same motions, but not nearly under the same stress that you did the workout in because getting blood to those areas are going to help the soreness more than anything and give you a true tell of, is it too much or not? Yeah, I think it depends on a little bit on what we're talking about, right? Like if we're talking about somebody that's been dealing with an injury or something like that, then my like soreness and pain rules are a little bit more hard and fast. Yeah. Um, if we're talking about somebody that's like, that's resuming activity here after a prolonged thing with no specific injury, nothing like that, but you go back and you play basketball. Um, and then the next day, like you're really feeling it, whether it even be like some pain in the front of the knees, a uh, little bit of low back pain, uh, whatever it may be in that regard. I'm like, yeah, you definitely want to stay moving for sure. Um, you know, we want to go through what we can, you know, and if basketball specific, maybe that's, you know, we do some side steps the next day with a band or something, we do some squats, we maybe even do some like really low intensity jumps, but we go nice and easy through it, just kind of like working through those same motions like you were talking about, but I'm not going to go put that same, that same heavy load on there again the next day, right? Yeah. Um, but it's definitely, it's good for us to keep things going. Um, I mean, it's like when you talk about how consistently people are training and that kind of stuff, you know, it's like, I'm, I, I train six days a week. Uh, which is going to be different than how often I play ultimate for sure. <laughs> but, um, and basketball and any of those kinds of things, those heavy, like we're talking about, even with envelope of function, right. When we're talking about those high load activities, I want to decrease my frequency a little bit with that. Right. Yeah. Um, that's where it's going to be. Okay. Let's, let's go a little bit lower on our frequency to make sure that we can it, handle those high impact activities um, while those lower things might be like, okay, it might be a good, a good way for us to recover. Right. It's like, if I play two hours of basketball, maybe like a nice slow jog or even like a, an incline walk, something like that the next day, a good way for me to keep those muscles in my legs moving some, but I'm putting yeah. a much lower stress on there. It's an easy way to recover. For sure. And I think that with these home workouts, it's, people are going to be losing a lot of variability in training as well. Right. I mean, so for sure. when, and when you're playing when sports are available, then yeah, a lot of us were kind of that way. Oh, I played all day yesterday. So today I'm just going to go like on a bike ride with the dog. Right. So, but I get that variability. Now it's kind of a, Oh, every day I'm going, building this routine of doing this exercise program. That's the same every single day. Um, and not having the same variability as when we do kind of have normal life. And so I think keeping that variability people didn't realize that they had before and normal recovery things were part of training and people just were not cognizant of that. Yeah. I think that that's true with our, with, you know, people that are playing amateur sports or uh, high school, college sports, all that kind of stuff. And also true with our CrossFit type of people and that kind of thing. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah you were going to CrossFit 
you were going to CrossFit three days a week or you were going five days a week and there was somebody that was, you know, helping you intelligently program these things, right? So that you weren't Hopefully. hitting the same thing every day. You were getting a lot of variability in your training. Um, and so when you, if you go a long time without that and then you try and kind of like hit things back, that's definitely going to be a shock to the system. Yeah. So do you think that when people get back, gyms need to be very aware of their programming and shift that? And do you think they will, or do you think they're going to jump right back in and be like, Oh, like we're going to kick ass now that we're all back and push people harder. Yeah. I think that's going to be the the kind of tightrope that they have to walk. Right. It's going to be like, people are going to be so pumped to be back in, <laughs> in the gym yeah. doing things right. That they're going to be like, I just want to go so hard right now. Yeah. And it's going to be kind of like trying to, trying to accommodate some of that while also reining everybody in to keep things safe. Right. Like, I feel like, I feel like I would want to be, I would want to do something that I like one thing that I know people haven't been able to do in a long time. Right. Something that requires some piece of equipment where I am that they just, that I know people don't have. Right. right. And then it's like, let's just slowly introduce one of those a day <laughs> just, just to let everybody get back because otherwise, otherwise then we're in the boat like you and I were just talking about. So, yeah. Awesome. I mean, well, if people have more questions for you about the envelope of function, or maybe they're having just a little bit of pain with what they're doing, uh, what's the way people could reach out or get some, I know you just put together a running handout, um, get some more information from you about any of this stuff. How can they reach yeah, you? Well well, you can find me on Instagram at lamp underscore DPT. That's me. Um, Awesome. We also have an Instagram for our 95th human performance group uh, that I've been reposting some things from. And then uh, that's the easiest place to probably get a hold of me. Um, okay. We can leave that. I can put that in the show notes and make sure it's all blasted out. And, I mean, if people want to get in touch with you and they can't figure that out, then they can reach out to me and I can direct them towards you, towards whether it be email or whatever it needs to be. Um, yeah. or I can just copy and paste your Instagram link on there and make them go that way again. But I'll make sure that your contact is in there. Um, it's the 95th. What is that? Yeah. 95th human performance. So the, the, uh, that's where I work. I work in 95th civil affairs for good. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today and, uh, chatting with me about these things that I know um we hit some more technical things and we also just talked about the general person and what they're going through right now that we are also going through ourselves <laughs> things interesting we are all equals so, for sure man awesome well appreciate it and uh i hope everybody has enjoyed today's chat with the odyssey performance podcast and as always if you guys have any questions feel free to always reach out to me and we will get those answers for you as quick as we can have a good one, guys. Thanks, Chris.